Welcome to Fun and Fun Racing, everybody. The podcast where we talk with people behind the top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I'm really excited to have two wonderful guests on. It is Julie Voss, who is the VP of Development for the Texas Heart Institute, and Kelly Kikarillo, who is going to be co-chairing their up, one of their upcoming signature fundraising events, which is their Supper Club celebration. So it, T- Texas Heart Institute is one of the most beloved and most popular institutions in the state and one of the top medical destinations for people, not just in Texas, but all over. And, you know, we're so excited to have both of them on here to share about the organization and about the event and how they can really how they do such a good job engaging donors. And this episode is going to be a little different in that the Supper Club celebration is returning after a hiatus and not just a COVID hiatus. It's been, you know, it's been a few years since they've actually done this event. So we're going to be talking about those things and how you reignite um, an, an event that, you know, was really popular and bring it back with some really renewed fervor and fun. So with that, Julie, Kelly, welcome. And I'm so excited to have you both on as guests today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're we're very excited. Fabulous. And I'm ready to get started. So, Julie, I'm going to direct the first question to you. Can you tell me a little bit about what the mission of the Texas Heart Institute is? Sure. Yeah. So our mission is to improve cardiovascular health through trailblazing research, thought leadership, education and patient care. That's fantastic. And you all have been around, if I'm not mistaken, you've all been around for, you just celebrated your 60th anniversary last year, correct? We did. Uh That's really amazing. You know, tell me a little bit about that and what it's like to, you know, be a part of an organization that's been around for that long. It's, for me, it's very exciting. And as a development professional, I love being part of it. Um, I think the history is so rich and our founder, Dr. Denton Cooley, um, you know, is world renowned in cardiovascular surgery and care. And um, to have those kind of historic firsts, I mean, we did the first heart transplant in the United States. Um, you know, we've, we've had all of these firsts. And so now to be part of what are, we like to call them our next first in cardiovascular care, because we're always coming up with something new. So I love I love bringing the history into what we're doing today. That's really amazing. And it, you know, it's fascinating because 60 years ago, you know, heart transplants were almost kind of this science fiction sort of thing. And for it to actually be a thing now that is a medical, a medical procedure that, you know, people can live and not only live, but some of them can lead really thriving lives afterward, really just goes to show why institutions such as yours are so important in really sustaining not just life, but quality of life as well. Yeah, and I actually, you know, when you look back at our history and it was all about surgery and transplants, and now we do our best to avoid surgery and transplants with a lot of, you know, different kind of endovascular procedures and trying to make it where people are in and out of the clinic and don't even have to be hospitalized if we can avoid it. Wow. So doc, that probably has to go far beyond anything Dr. Cooley could have ever envisioned in the early 60s. No, most definitely. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. And, you know, I want to direct the next question to Kelly, and this kind of will dovetail off of that a little bit. And that's just, you know, how did you initially get involved with the Texas Heart Institute? 
So as a family, we got involved um, as far back as 40 years ago. My father is in his 90s, and fortunately, he and my mother, um, he's Vincent Kikarillo and my mother, Mary Kikarillo, along with my husband, Todd Forrester, are chairing this event with me. And um, my dad met Dr. Cooley over 40 years ago and became a patient of his, a friend and a patient of his. So he knew of the the, the Texas Heart Institute that many years ago. And then over the years, um, needing care and needing um, an incredible cardiovascular team for our family, um, my, my father, my mother, myself, and my husband are all patients. Wow, that's really cool to hear. And you know, I want to touch on something because I think it's awesome that you know your your parents are also sh- you know serving as um as co-chairs. You know, what is a piece of advice you would give to somebody who wants to get their children engaged in, you know, in a nonprofit or in an organization, you know, so that really it becomes kind of a family, kind of a almost a unifying force for a family. Right. It's it's such model behavior for, for our family. They, my parents have always been incredibly philanthropic. They have been incredibly supportive of um, organizations close to their heart. And I just saw that that was how they lived their lives. And it was a part, we, we are very fortunate in, in our lives, in business. We're successful in our business in, in the Houston community. And Part of that is giving back to the Houston community, um, and we are so focused on giving back to to medical um, foundations as well as educational foundations. And you know, Texas Heart Institute um, fills both of those bills. Um, they, but truly, it's it was from seeing the behavior modeled from my parents, and I. It's just something that I I couldn't go day to day without giving back to the community in some way, and I'm hoping to model that for our my son. You know, it's wonderful. And that's, you know, the the one thing with anytime someone moves to a city and, you know, as we all know, as you, you, you all are from Houston, I'm from Austin, a lot of people are migrating into Texas. And, you know, a common question that I always get is, you know, you know, what should I do in it? My first thing is because Texas is so philanthropic and Kelly, you're you're in many ways the perfect example of the Texas spirit in that you saw your parents give back. And, you know, it is in Texas, I like to say that the social scene is the philanthropic scene. They're very, very intertwined. And that is a way to get involved. And I'm so it, it really warms my heart to hear that your parents instill that and that you're instilling that in your son and really caring and paying that forward. I think that's fantastic. No, it's it's very important to us. And it's also, you know, you're right about the philanthropic scene being the social scene of Houston, but also people in Houston are incredible and they really have passion for these organizations. And it shows if you don't. Um, and so so we're really, really fortunate to be to be Texans and experiencing this. Well, and it's because of, you know, folks like yourself that Houston really is, it's a world-class city on so many fronts, but it especially is on a medical front. I mean, some of the foremost, most cutting edge medical, medical, you know, research centers, institutions are located there, not just with HARP, but there's also MD Anderson, there's Memorial Hermann. I mean, there's lots of different wonderful organizations doing all sorts of things. So it's, it's fantastic and really great to hear all that. It is. We are so lucky to be in Houston and we especially are lucky to be in Houston in, in Texas because, you know, even these hospitals you mentioned, they're they're opening branches all over all over Texas. So, you know, hopefully that that may end up being the future of Texas Heart, too. 
you know, I love that you all are kind of branching out and expanding. And Julie, you know, I'd love to hear how you initially got involved with the organization. And if you're able to, and if not, I totally understand. But if you're able to, you know, talk about, you know, you know, how expansion kind of beyond one community into other communities really helps impact and also drive new initiatives within the, you know, within the organization. Yeah. And like Kelly, I am a native Houstonian. So I have been, you know, aware of the Texas Heart Institute forever. Um, I actually, early on in my career, I worked for the American Heart Association and had the opportunity to meet both Dr. Cooley, who was our founder, and Dr. DeBakey, who was kind of his, you know, his frenemy counterpart at another <laughs> institution. And um, so when I, you know, when the chance came up for me to be able to get involved and work for the Texas Heart Institute, um, I jumped at it. You know, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's a tremendous organization. And I think, you know, Kelly kind of just said it all to have, we have these um, donors who are older and who are really, um, you know, new Dr. Cooley and are his contemporaries, but now their children and even their grandchildren are getting involved. And, um, and it really shows, you know, we're not the same organization we were, and we're no longer looking we used to say it was the devastating toll of cardiovascular disease. And now we talk about cardiovascular health because, you know, it's what can we do to prevent it? You know, and it's amazing. And there's even like other medical things, you know, unrelated to you all. Like we had the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation on, you know, um, a few months few months ago. And they kind of, it's the same thing like with type 1 diabetes. It is just amazing the progress and how things around all sorts of medical medical issues have been able to evolve that it becomes kind of this, it, it, it's as much caring as it is, you know, it, curing. So it's, you know, some preventative elements along with, you know, some, you know, procedure elements that go along with that. Totally and agree. Absolutely. So, you know, and if you, if you, if you're not able to answer this, we totally understand, but, you know, you know, I want to touch upon what Kelly was talking about, about, you know, looking and kind of envisioning, you know, THI in multiple markets, you know, you know, what, you know, talk about how an organization gets to that point and how, you know, what are some good steps that they can take when they're looking to, you know, thinking about expanding into other markets? Yeah. And um, I mean, in full disclosure, we are not there yet. I think that you have to have a really solid base. I mean, we have expanded, even though a lot of people don't know this. Um, early on, Dr. Cooley gave our clinical charter to St. Luke's Episcopal Hospital, who has been our partner, you know, for these entire 60 years. And it wasn't until just a few years before COVID that we actually got that charter back. We started our own clinical practice. So now we have employed physicians as well as affiliated physicians. And then, um, and we're still affiliated with what is now Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center. So we're not a hospital where people come in, we provide all of the physician and all of the expertise in cardiac care to Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center. Um, but how that has expanded is um, Common Spirit, which is a national organization. Um, they are joint owners of Baylor St. Luke's and um, 
our physicians serve in leadership roles with that health system. So we take our expertise and our knowledge from the Texas Heart Institute and share it nationally through their leaders and through their different institutions. Um, and then additionally, just you know what we do in research, we collaborate and we collaborate a lot with the universities of, um, you know, really in Texas, especially, but um, University of Texas, um, we have a lot going on with their engineering department, because when you think about it, a lot of these devices are based in engineering and, you know, biomedical science. Texas A&M, the University of Houston just opened a new medical school, and we're working with their students, and they're rotating through our clinic and working with our physicians. So, you know, we've always been what I like to call Switzerland. And so, even though we're still just based here in Houston, we try to expand our expertise across the state and across the nation. Well, and you know, what I love about what you shared is, you know, it, it, it's funny that you say as an organization, you're not there yet, but yet you were talking about how you're, you know, partnering with UT, which is in Austin, also with things outside, you know, outside of it. And, you know, there were two really interesting things. One is, you know, any nonprofit is going to going to be successful through collaboration and it may not even be with the ones that are the most obvious and that's what i love about your answer i would have never thought oh i'm going to partner with the ut engineering school but it but when you explain it it makes total and complete sense as to why that would be the case so you know for anyone listening you know don't just be stuck within your lane. I, I can only collaborate with people in this lane. You know, as Julie just said, you know, the, the sky's really the limit with how you can collaborate and really propel your organization forward. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I would, I mean, just, you know, because this is about fundraising, I would also add that it allows you to look at different donor populations as well. You know, I mean, people who maybe they haven't traditionally given to healthcare but they have a, a very vested, um, you know, interest in research or in education, you know, it's, it's looking at it from that standpoint. You know, and it's really important that you bring that up because it's, you know, I will say the one thing I always love when I go to an event is when I see someone who was primarily fundraising in one lane or, you know, a major donor or philanthropist, and they show up at something in another lane. And it's all because, you know, a good develop, you know, development organization, which THI has, they're doing the research on that. And they understand, you know, people are not one dimensional. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, this person only gives in this genre. And people are three dimensional people, and they get affected by multiple different types of things. But you can only do that if you do research and ask the questions. Yeah, great point. I love, I love that you brought that up. So, you know, and speaking of, I know we were talking about, you know, we're here to talk about your all's, you know, your all's events. So um, this question I'm going to, I'm going to direct to Kelly and, you know, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, one, let's start with, you know, what's it like to chair an event with your, you know, with your parents and kind of, you know, how do you create synergies with someone, you know, really, really, really well? Because a lot of times people will co-chair things and they're good friends, but they're not family. So I love, I love to kind of get your thoughts on that. No, it's, it's wonderful actually chairing things with my parents. They are so incredibly, forgiving and allowing me to um, kind of 
take the lead a little bit. I think you would say Julian in this. Um, and you know, they've done this many times in their long lives. Um, they, they were very active in the social and philanthropic scene in Houston in the eighties, in the wild eighties. And when, when there was an event every night of the week. Um, and so they are, this is very old hat for them. Um, and so they, they really, they know when to step in and say something or, or make, make a suggestion about a timeline of an event or who we should maybe reach out to um, about, you know, who may be a good sponsor, but they've really, I've been very fortunate that they've let Todd and I kind of take the lead with this, this event um, while being the, the wise people that they are and, and chipping in their two cents when they need to. Um, but it's been wonderful. And I have, we've chaired events in the past um, with friends and, and with people who are just close to an organization, but it is really special to, to be able to do this with my parents because we're all patients and Texas heart is, and it's such a terrible pun, but it's so very close to our hearts. Yeah. And well, not a terrible pun, a very, a very <laughs> accurate pun, but I love that, you know, th that only happened, you know, it sounds like because you communicated with your parents and you said, you know what, we're going to take the lead, you know, we'll, we'll bounce ideas off of you, you know, when, you know, when you, you know, when you can and, or when you need to, and, you know, that one, it empowers you, but two, it also, you can draw from their experience and Absolutely. they're not wanting to take over. Cause you know, I've seen organizations where, you know, someone will not necessarily stay at the party too long, but they really want it to be their vision. So I love that your parents have the foresight to allow you and your husband to shine on your own and take what they've taught you and put your own spin on it. They've been incredible. And really this for, for the supper club and, and bringing this event to um, back to back to the to the community, it, we bridge the gap. You know, we bridge the, the gap between my parents generation and our generation. Um, and it's it's just been really a great working experience planning this. We're excited. Fantastic. And, you know, um, Kelly just brought up something which leads me to my next question, which is for Julie, and that is, you know, bringing an event back. So what made Texas Heart Institute decide now was the time to bring bring the Supper Club event back? Yes. Yeah, so um, seven years ago, our event, it actually wasn't called the Supper Club, but it was a it was a similar kind of format. It was a um, a leadership award dinner that Dr. Cooley always participated in and, and gave an award. And um, so our last event was in February of 2016. And then Dr. Cooley died later that year. And, um, and then Dr. Jim Willerson, who had been our president and CEO, actually died in 2020. Um, and so both of those men were were very, you know, they were big anchors for THI. And um, then you kind of roll in there, Hurricane Harvey, which, you know, really set the whole Houston community back and changed focus. And then you have a pandemic. So it just, every time we think, oh, it's time, there would be something else that, you know, was like, maybe this isn't the exact right time. So we, um, during the pandemic, we actually hired a new president and CEO, um, Dr. Joe Rogers, who is new to Texas. Um, and so we just decided now, you know, we just celebrated 60 years. We didn't even feel like we were quite ready last year on our 60th anniversary. Um, 
even though in, in full disclosure, I think some of our board members would have loved for us to do this then. Um, we just <laughs> I'm sure they would. <laughs> you know, it takes a it takes a long time to plan yeah. event an event. And if you're bringing something back, you want it to be incredible. I mean, this is kind of our, the Texas Heart Institute's entree back into Houston social scene, and it needs to be done right. So, you know, we felt like we finally have all of the the things set. And then um, when Kelly and Todd and her parents agreed to chair it, we were like, Yes, this was exactly, you know, what we needed to know that the timing is right and it's it's time to do this. And I'm so glad that you brought up the whole thing about timing because I think sometimes people feel that they have to be on that hamster wheel and you know when you have a confluence of events and that was really you know, because I remember 2017 in Houston, it was a really it was a really that fall was a really rough time in the just in Houston broadly, right. but also in the social scene as well. That you know, and you even had stuff before that, you know, with Dr. Cooley passing away, that you all realized that you wanted to do it and you wanted to do it right. And as much as you may have been tempted, or like you said, the board members may have been tempted, you wanted to make sure that everything aligned. And you know, when you reach out to people like Kelly and her husband, as well as Kelly's parents, and you found the right mix, and it's like, you know we know we can press go again and we know that this can be amazing and fantastic and you know we just go forward you know go forward from there and you know i want to talk a little bit about the supper club theme and this question i'll start with kelly but julie i'd love your input as well but you know how does having a fun theme like a supper club um help engage prospective donors and if you wouldn't mind you know for anyone who's not familiar with the term you know elaborate a little bit on like what a supper club is and what that means Right. So it, we thought it was a fantastic theme. It actually came from Texas Hearts Development Department, which is so key to have a strong development department. And this idea kind of came about and we wanted to have that throwback idea, that throwback feel of these old um, supper clubs of the 1950s and 60s, the Empire Room, the Emerald Room, the Copacabana. Um, even in Houston, there were, there were amazing places like the Rivoli and Rudy's. And we wanted to have that cozy um, feel, that incredible camaraderie um, with drinks flowing and incredible food and a wonderful show at the end. So that's kind of the feel of the event and, and kind of where it came from. Um, and I think it's going to be an incredible night. You know, that that's fantastic. And, you know, Julie, from a donor perspective, you know, how does have, well, one, congratulations on coming up. That's a really inventive and fun theme. And I'd love to hear a little bit more on, you know, how you all came to that as a theme, but also how that a theme that is really fun and you're coming back with impact with something that's fun. It's unique. I've been doing this a really long time and I can't remember the last time this was a theme for an event really anywhere in Texas. So, you know, how does that help engage prospective donors and bring them back in? Um. Yeah, well, I think, you know, as we've talked about, there are so many events and um, and it really is part of the Houston social scene in what we're doing, you know, for nonprofit and our board, knowing that in the past it was this leadership dinner where we gave an award and there were some more speeches. They didn't want to go to a full on like gala. Let's just have a party. And um, and we really wanted to, again, try to bridge that gap of what 
historically THI had done and where we were going. And um, the supper club theme just kind of worked because it's, um, you know, it's different. We didn't want to just be the same, go out and have, you know, a party. So the the Post Oak Hotel will be transformed more into the supper club, you know, little lights on the tables. And I mean, I'm sure you remember, and I have pictures from my grandmother where she's, you know, at these at these supper clubs in Houston, sitting around the table, listening to entertainment. Um, so, you know, we kind of came up with that. And then I think it's just in Houston where you have so many things, what sets you apart or what can make you unique? And, um, you know, so many people do the Texas theme or so many people do, you know, just a, a beautiful, very formal gala. We have a lot of arts organizations here. So we were trying to just find something that set us apart a little bit and that would also be appealing not only to Kelly and Todd and their friends, but to Kelly's parents and their friends. You know, I mean, you're you're not going to have. 80 and 90 year olds coming to some big throwdown giant party, you know, they're just, they're not going to do it. So it really, it worked out perfect, I think. And blending all those ages, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing that I've noticed just throughout this conversation is there's definitely a synergy between, you know, between you all. And, you know, I'd love for each of you to share, you know, what is a key to having a good relationship between, you know, the event chairs and the event committee and an organization. Well, just from, I would love to jump in here because I have, Todd and I have chaired events in the past. I've chaired events in the past. And my key is finding an organization, if, if they come to us asking for our help, is to make sure that there's an incredible development department. It is so important. And Texas Heart has one of the best in the city, if not the best in the city, um, because communication between that department and the chairs is key, but also they know who their donor base is. They know who they want to raise funds from, who they want to raise awareness to. And I don't, I mean, I know, my small portion of it and and who why I'm attracted to the organization, but they need to to you know really steer the ship. And as a chair, you have to be willing to to let them do that, but also offer you know your suggestions in the the feel and look of an event. Um, and and of course, offering up your your um, your contacts, which we do. We all know that when we're chairing events. Um, and we're so thrilled that so many of our friends are, are going to be at this event and learn about Texas Heart because they don't know about the organization yet. Um, but it's it's the development department is key. Fantastic. And you know, from a development perspective, Julie, you know, what do you think is the key to finding the right chairs that will that help create that good synergy synergy between an organization and you know the event chairs and committee? Yeah. I mean, I think passion for the organization is key. And I've worked with chairs before at different organizations that were just kind of someone knew them and they agreed to do it. But it's very different when you have a chair that is passionate about the cause and the organization. And then I think the other thing, like Kelly said, is communication, because some chairs want to be very involved. Others don't have time and want to lend their name. And it's really from the get-go kind of saying, okay, this is what we need. And does this fit with 
what you can provide, you know, and, um, and just being open about that from the beginning. You know, I love that. And I love your answers complemented each other really, really well. So I can see why you all work so well together. You know, Kelly, I love that you brought up, you brought up a phrase that I want to repeat to people. And it's, especially if someone's working for a nonprofit who's listening, you asked, you said something along the lines of how, you know, can you help us with this event as opposed to please do this for us? You know, you're asking, you know, an organization because you're an organization is asking someone when they're chairing for their time. And I think it's really, you know, it was a really important thing that you brought up with that. And everything that Julie said is, you know, she said, you know, she's worked with all different types of chairs and, you know, help is different things. Help can be like Julie said, it can be lending someone's name, but right. help is also someone who's really passionate, who's really going to drive a really interesting mix of people there. So I really love how your answers really intertwine so nicely. Well, thank you. And I think it's, it is a testament to, to a great development department and how incredible Julie is um, with her team. Um, but also I'm not going to say yes to everything. Um, it, it's not smart to, you know, at, in different times in different people's lives, you do, you want to say yes to things for, for many different reasons. Um, but at this stage in, in my life and in our family's lives, time is precious. And um, when I commit to an event or to an organization, we really commit as a family and everyone's involved. And so it has to really um, be worth it for us. And, and Texas Heart is just, there is no other organization we would, we would do this for this year. That's fantastic. And, you know, while we're on that subject, you know, let's talk a little bit about what can people expect at Supper Club this year? And I'd love for both of you to have, you know, give whatever input or whatever you want to talk about. And I'll let you all decide, you know, which one wants to answer that question first. Fun night, of course, a, a fun night that truly you feel like you've kind of stepped back in time um, a, a little bit into that 50s and 60s um, loungy club scene where you're going to get a great meal um, in this beautiful space that the Post Oak is here in Houston and um, with the incredible event design that we have. And we are just going to have the best time listening to Pink Martini. Um, but but we have to remember that we are there for a cause and we are there for Texas Heart um, and to learn about Texas Heart Institute. And so we will have a, a features, some of our doctors and our, listen to me, I've already adopted the organization, uh, but, <laughs> but our doctors and um, patients, past patients, um, and we're, we're featuring an incredible woman, um, Teresa Blades, who um, will tell her story and how um, Texas Heart has, has changed her life and saved her life this year. So it's, it's just hopefully a, an informative but fun event. That sounds amazing. And what I love is, you know, because of, you know, honoring the supper clubs of the 50s and 60s, you're honoring the history of the organization in a really unique and a really fun way, because basically, you know, the, you know, the organization was founded in the early 60s, which was prime time, you know, for supper club. And Julie, I'd love to ask you a question, you know, because, you know, um, Kelly had mentioned, you know, you have world-renowned band Pink Martini that's going to, you know, perform. And they're, if you have not heard them, go to YouTube, go on their Instagram, go on their TikTok. They're really one of the very, very best in the world at what they do. So I'd love um, you to just share, you know, what advice would you give to someone looking to engage a high-profile actor or a celebrity for their nonprofit event? 
Yeah, and um, first and foremost, hands down, work through a professional event planner. I mean, you know, when you, any of these folks that you would engage, you know, there's contracts, there's writers, there's, I mean, it's not just, oh, this is how much the band charges, but, you know, it's, okay, they need soap and a washcloth in the green room. Like, where are we getting, you know? And so um, I don't think Kelly or I want to deal with those little kind of side items and making sure they can even happen. So, um, so using a professional event planner, this is what they do all the time. So they're very familiar. They go through, they help kind of screen through. I mean, you know, we looked at a couple of bands in addition to Pink Martini. And fortunately, Kelly and her family are, um, you know, have a long history with entertainment and music. And so we had a lot of great options. But, um, you know, some of them, one of them ended up being very cost prohibitive by the time all of the writer and everything was coming in. And um, and Pink Martini, we happened to catch in between, they're, they're finishing up, wrapping up their US tour and they're heading to Europe. So um, it it worked, but you know, it wasn't without a lot of negotiation and, and talking through what that looks like for the night of the event. I love how you explain that. And of all the guests I've had, you most perfectly have just articulated all that goes into that and all the details and those specific things that celebrities or acts will ask for, they cost the organization money. And, you know, there may be, you know, I want this guest, but, you know, does having that guest, does it wind up, does it wind up happening almost to the detriment of the organization? Meaning, you know, th there is a point of diminishing returns. And I love that you acknowledge that, you know, that that can be the case. And also, it was also in the stars from a timing perspective with Pink Martini that, you know, they're finishing a tour in the U.S. and you got them in that little window where they're going overseas. So it kind of allows them to jam and, you know, kind of stay in practice and stay, you know, they may not be in, in you know, mid-season sporting shape, but they're certainly, you know, in the postseason workouts and they keep, you know, they're, they're keeping their energy going. So I love how you, you know, you just explain, you know, explained all that and the importance of, you know, just making sure that you're working with a professional who can do all those things because there's also the financial tax, but there's also the personal tax and the personnel tax of having to deal with that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I would just add that, you know, I know a lot of organizations think hiring an event planner is an extra expense that they don't need. But I would say that the things that any professional event planner can help you with will save, they're worth their weight in gold. You know, I mean, they, the ROI is amazing because they know how to do things more efficiently and how to work through things. So, um, you know, from a perspective, from a development perspective, I always um, really highly recommend that you, you get a professional event planner that can help your team, even when you have a full team of, of special event folks. Fantastic. And, you know, um, we're, we're, we're wrapping up on our time here, but I'd love for each of you just in, you know, in a, in a sentence to just ask, you know, because you both have such wide, broad backgrounds with events, you know, what is one thing all successful events have in common? 
And Kelly, I'd love to start with you on that because you paired things. Me, yeah. me first. I just think that you, if you're going to chair an event, you have to have a passion for the for the cause. Um, otherwise, people see through that and they see why that there may be other reasons you're chairing something. Um, and and really, and I know it's one you wanted one thing, but the the other thing is really know that you've got a strong development department there because if not what you thought your time commitment was going to be will be tripled, if not quadrupled, if you don't have a great <laughs> development department. And I've seen that in action. So I'm really glad that you brought that second For one sure. up. <laughs> and then Julie, what, what what do you think all successful fundraising events have in common? Yeah, I mean, I think hands down a, a passionate chair and someone that um, is your your partner you know, from a development perspective, whatever that looks like, whether it's that they're super involved or not, that there's a, a partnership together. So well, um, I, I think we couldn't have asked for anything better with Kelly and Todd and her parents. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, you know, Kelly, Julie, it really has just been an absolute, you know, absolute pleasure, you know, having you both on. And, you know, I hope that you, I hope we we can have you on again with next year's event, if it's not Supper Club, hopefully as, you know, with something else. Well, no, we'd love to. Hopefully yeah. Supper Club sticks and it's a branded yeah. event. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it will. I got to imagine with Pink Martini there, it will be a hit. I, you know, so congratulations already. I'm not, you, you know, you know, I've got my fingers crossed saying that because I don't want to jinx anything for you, but I know it will be an amazing event. So, you know, with that, um, you know, Supper Club 2023 benefiting the Texas Heart Institute will be on September 22nd, 2023 at the Post Oak Hotel in Houston, Texas. For more information, please visit Texas Heart. Org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.